Well, uh, we have been discussing the Leela of Krishna, the play of Krishna, the uh, divine drama, if you will, from different angles of vision um, in the morning from the vision experienced in samadhi, if you will, and, um, and uh, later on in the day from the vantage point of the historical Leela. Two ways of speaking about Aprakat and Prakat Lila. So it's been very nice and, um, in a small group, but they're very uh, attentive. We have some guests this morning. Good morning. Visiting us. And, um, so that's the news. What are the questions? Um, Sajan has a question. Okay. Nandavats Maharaj. Pranam. Um, How are you? Oh, rather well, thank you, and I hope you are as well. <laughs> yeah. Um I thought that it might be nice today being the uh the appearance day of our beloved Shaktivesh Avatar. Uh Isha Prabhu, as they say in India. I thought you might have some uh, perhaps some insights or impressions to share with us about him or or his Leela, perhaps. <laughs> the Prince of Peace. Hmm? Yes. Prince of Nazareth. Yeah. Well, uh, any number of things come to mind, of course. It's, uh, it's a day that's not, um, a titi or something that's astrologically calculated as we do in the Indian system. Right. Uh, to acknowledge and honor the days of appearance of different avatars <coughs> and so on and so forth. And, and the avatar conception, the avatar means, avatara means, tara means to cross, from abha means to cross from up to down. So the idea of the avatar is a crossing from beyond mortal vision, beyond time and space, if you will, and crossing down into time and space, which is our present frame of reference, a um, manifestation of divinity for the express purpose of, of freeing us from the limitations of time and space, or um, helping us to experience and realize that we are a unit of existence that transcends time and space. Being a unit of consciousness, the Atma has no beginning, has no end, and it's not a physically um, measurable hmm, as things are within space. So how can something beyond time and space appear within time and space? Well, everything doesn't have to fit between our ears for it to be true. Reason is a very limited vehicle for understanding even the obvious contradictions of everyday life would speak of the larger um, picture, if you will, uh, that the self is um, is part of transcendent as it is to the limits of reason as well, mind, reason, physical forces, and so forth. So, um, a crossing from up to down is the principle of the, the avatar. For, um, and, a, and, a, and the overall thought in this regard is that the Godhead, the absolute ultimate reality, uh, exists for its own purpose, and um, um, moves, if you will, out of fullness rather than out of incompleteness. So we move out of a sense of incompleteness because we've identified with the body-mind complex and with the time-space continuum, if you will, and we feel that we have limitations that we could we could go beyond. There's a sense in human societies often say that there's more to life what meets the eye and the mind, and we're, whether we recognize it or not, constantly trying to experience that with all of the efforts, be they in, in science, in discovery, in political breakthroughs, in sports, to push the limits, um, the apparent limits, and we celebrate whenever we do. If we go one ten thousand of the second faster, we're going to go a little, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so, uh, 
there's a sense within a human society that there's more to be experienced. And the more is actually us, of course. And there, and unfortunately, we try to experience the more by going without. But the adage is, go within or go without. If you don't go within, you'll go without. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a, it's a very it's very counterintuitive, if you will, in one sense that to go without you would you, you would gain more, or that more is 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 less. But the more that we're speaking about it is is a quantitative or qualitative reality, as opposed to a quantitative reality. The physical world is a quantitative reality, hmm? and mm-hmm. quality qualitative reality means experience rather than that which is experienced. So the experiential reality is superior to the experienced reality. So it's it's reasonable, therefore, that less physical if you will, can lead to more hmm? because it can free us from the, the methods by which we can accomplish that, the common sense of that, and the, and the means to pursue that in a systematic way that we call yoga or spiritual practice. Hmm? Um, uh, it can afford us the experience of the experiencer unencumbered by mind, by by body, by the physical reality, and so forth. So we can experience can experience that there's more than than what meets the eye and the mind. So so the the descent of divinity, if you will, the avatar concept is some manifestation of divinity who is full in and of the, the God is full in and of himself, but moves out of celebration rather than how we're moving out of a sense of something missing. We're going to add something more and then we're going to be complete. That's, that's of course our misconception. Um, so the movement of, of the Godhead conversely, as I say, is a celebratory movement and we call that Leela, right? Play. Mm-hmm. And, and so while this concept is very developed in Hinduism, Vedanta, and you know a couple of the terms I've invoked: avatar, Hindu, uh, excuse me, uh, lila, and so on and so forth, um, are Sanskrit terms. They're, uh, they're common in Hinduism, but they speak about universal principles. So I'm trying to speak about them in, in in a broader way. And to the point of your inquiry, then the great Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in one of his commentaries on Bhagavad Gita, where this concept of the avatar appearing in the world millennium after millennium um, uh, is mentioned, the Gita being kind of like the Bible of Hinduism, if you will, a very popular text in the Indian subcontinent and the world over, translated in many, many languages and so forth. But therein, uh, he made a comment, and this phenomenon of the avatar, of the descent of divinity, um, is not limited to hint to, to, to India. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, this was, of course, written at the at the you know, beginning of the of the um, well, beginning of the twentieth century, mm-hmm. or late, I should say, late late nineteenth century. In India, so he had a very broad vision. He was, uh, um, the British had made their capital in Calcutta, and so modernity was at his doorstep. So he had to deal with it. And so he spoke um, more universally, I would say, about spiritual principles found in Hinduism in terms of uh, the modern uh, world and other theistic conceptions outside of India, like Christianity. I mean, the first, uh, you know, through the British and the Germans uh, in India, there were many, the, the original scholars were called Orientalists. It's a bad name now <laughs> because they were very, you know, they came to teach them the true, only true religion and so on and so forth, which they thought was Christianity. They felt them to be heathens and, and whatnot, but there were quite a number of British 
and even German converts who had their heads turned around a bit. Um, the Christian miracle, if you will, by which Christianity was spread very wide and far in Europe, that being he came back from the dead, which outdid all the shaman's miracles and so forth, was, uh, had a lot of uh, selling power. But it didn't get too far in India with so what, you know. People do that all the time. Rishis do that. <laughs> Something like sages and mystics and so forth. Um, so a land of magic, a land of miracles, the mother of religion, India, the or- original Orientalists met, uh, met, uh, a very, uh, developed, um, sophisticated, um, spiritual insights with a wealth of philosophical texts, theological texts, and so forth that explain the, the stories, if you will, the, the, the myths, the legends. The, these are just, this is an interesting thing in, in itself. I mean, every religion has its way of speaking about reality and can be thought of as a, as a myth, if you will, but we would look at that word differently than some people who... Um, uh, describe such descriptions like the resurrection, for example, as a myth. These are, these are stories that unlike an ordinary false in every sense of the word story that you just might make up, hmm, they obviously endure over a long period of time and they work for people who apply themselves to them very positively, um, um, making them better human beings. Uh, obviously, the stories are abused also by people, and taken in a fundamentalist sense and, and not in a, in a, in a, in a deeper um, sense and applied to your everyday life. But those that do that, as, 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 as one is supposed to do, their life, personal lives are better, deeper, richer, um, even in a human sense, what to speak of uh, spiritually. Uh, so, so these, you know, the stories of the Buddha, of Jesus, of Krishna, uh, and so on and so forth, cross-culturally. Obviously, they've endured for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries, and they arise out of an avatar, out of, out of the descent of divinity that uh, that uh, had a very powerful impact on the culture and continues to have it. So, um, um, so the, the story of the birth of, of Jesus, right? That's the that's the Christmas idea, um, and as I say, Bhaktivinoda said, the avatar principle it doesn't apply only to India. This can happen in any culture, and at the time of writing that, you can be sure he was thinking of Jesus of Nazareth, maybe maybe the Muhammad or something, powerful persons who um, whose you know teachings can be very much misunderstood, taken very literally as they're not necessarily supposed to be taken and abused and so forth as, as reasons to fight with other people and, you know, that, that, that to be bigoted um, and so forth. But this is not the heart of those teachings. And um, certainly Bhakti Vinod Thakur was um, addressing the heart of Christianity, which is a theistic perspective. It's, it's basically a, a school of bhakti to use a, a um, a um, Hindu term, bhakti being the uh, school of love, of devotion, in which there needs to be a significant other, if you will. Um, that would have to be a significant consciousness other that would exist forever, like you, like we do. So there would have to be, um, uh, they would have to be God, head, and ourselves. They would have to be the sun and rays from the sun, the fire and sparks of the fire, and some interaction between them that constitutes a dynamic oneness rather than a static oneness. There are other schools of Vedanta and spiritual schools that speak of ultimate reality being one in what I would say we refer to as a static sense, one in which there is no other. Well, that might be good because People are problems. <laughs> they tend to be problems. But as much as <laughs> that's true, uh, we keep looking for that person that's not going to be a problem. So, um, if we could have both, if we could have one and another, 
at the same time, well, that would be good. And that's what we call love, because two, you and I become one. We become we. It's a different thing. It, it, the two remain, but the two are no longer different. Your heart becomes mine. My heart becomes yours. Your desires become mine. My desires become yours. So in the school of bhakti, Krishna bhakti, then we have this idea that there is a non-dual reality that this, it's at, this, at the same time is variegated. So again, I give the example. The sun's rays are the sun. That's true. But they're also different from the sun because we have them coming in here and into the room here and there. But if the sun was in the room, well, itself would be a problem. <laughs> so we see all the atmas, if you will, all the individual souls to be eternally so. There's a false individuality that arises out of identification with the body mind that has to be transcended. And the I am that endures beyond the I am this or I am that. I am Costa Rican, I am Russian, I am American, I am black, I am white, I am man, woman, all those things come and go, they can change, but I am that remains. Hmm? And so we have to overcome the I am this or that and plumb the depths of what I am as a unit of consciousness and what my prospects and possibilities are. Do I have capacity to love? It would seem so. Just do I have the capacity just to be and be peaceful? Or can I be and be so full that there's there's a movement that's not out of necessity, but out of fullness that would be love? An interaction with the absolute where the where the Godhead and himself become one in, in, in love. Just like I might say, Kishore and I are one. We're on the same page. We we agree on everything. Something like that. Um, so this is this idea is there. Obviously, I'm speaking about it in ways that it's not often spoken about in Christianity, but we would look at it, and I think appropriately so, as the doctrine of bhakti. Hmm? Um, the Buddha, by contrast, is more a doctrine of, of knowledge, hmm? um, and um, um, that's virtuous as well. Um, but Christianity, a doctrine of 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 uh, love in transcendence. So rather than stillness in transcendence, movement in transcendence that doesn't have the problems here that call for stillness. Hmm? Here, there, there's a call for stillness here. If we become, become still, if we develop peace, hmm, then there's possibility of progress from peace to love. During war, there's no love. Hmm? The war is with the mind in the sense that we think it's with others, but the mind in the senses are oppressing us, causing us to move in one way or another and be opposed to other sets of minds and senses and so on and so forth. So to withdraw from that and the war and to struggle, then peace. But while many spiritual traditions leave off there, to use an, a numerical analogy, if you're in negative numbers and you come to zero, well, zero has some positive positivity. Hmm? But the question we ask is, are there any positive numbers? It's such a task to go from negative numbers to zero. But who could even ask the question about positive numbers? Hmm? We're asking that question. Not only that, we think it's a good question to ask at the beginning, because if there are positive numbers, then beyond the negative numbers of our karmic implication, there may be help from that side. We don't have to go it alone, so to speak. So the descending, so, so a path of grace where the effort is to acquire grace. So Christianity is similar, not by works alone, Jesus said. But you have to work to get grace also. You have to position yourself, so to speak. Not that grace is something that's justified by what you do. It's grace, after all. Mercy transcends justice. But the positioning of oneself that I speak about that's an effort is to position oneself as needy, <laughs> to recognize that you're needy. This is the strength, actually, because we are very, very needy. The world could consume us at any moment. Right? We're moving it's on our tail, so to speak. Always, we have to look out, watch out, keep an eye, and so on and so forth. 
So to uh, I give an example before I was a young boy we lived in in a, more or less a village and there was a skating pond ice pond and we used to go to the pond my brother and I were the same age basically and there were some boys who were like two or three four years older so you know that was a problem in those days they were like bullying us you know so we wanted to go to the, to the pond and skate but so one day night we went with our father so we didn't change we were the same but but our father was there and then we could skate around circles around and and so forth and <laughs> problems. <laughs> no problem so um so it was a strong point right for us a strength we didn't change we weren't any stronger or any bigger but let's take costa rica okay costa rica's in central america you know uh nicaragua could be you know at war or guatemala uh, they're not stable governments. There could be a revolution. There could be, you know, uh, so you could think that Costa Rica is in, in danger given the political climate here in Central America. But with it, because of its connections with the United States, it has no army because if anybody ever invaded Costa Rica, the U.S. military would be there given their economic connections and so on and so forth. So we analyze the strength of Costa Rica from a military point of view, if you will, political point of view, in light of its its association with the, with the North America, it, it has it has some strength. I realize there are all kinds of problems with that politically and so forth, but I'm just using it as, a, as an analogy to say that if we if 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 we if we can if there are positive numbers, if there if there's um, if there's life movement and transcendence and a godhead hmm, Who's the sun that we are the, you know, the fire who we are the sparks of, then by connection with him, um, from the beginning of our spiritual practice, we'll gain an advantage than if we try to go it alone, so to speak, and just stop thinking. Not so easy to do. <laughs> you could think about Krishna. Well, that'd be easy to do. I mean, he's a pretty interesting person <laughs> in many respects, pretty interesting avatar or manifestation of divinity. As is the Jesus, a very interesting kind of, we would say, I guess, from the Hindu perspective, Jesus would be like the the Godhead appearing as the very incarnation of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And what is sacrifice? Is the womb from which love is born. Mm-hmm. Without any sacrifice, <laughs> there's no love relationship. You realize, oh, I have to sacrifice you. I have to think of her needs. I have to think of his needs. If you have children, well, well, you have to sacrifice. You might might want to do it like this, but the kids are here. So there's a labor, if you will, to love. Right? So Jesus, as the story goes, sacrificing on the cross is a big thing. He um, exemplifies that. Krishna, by contrast, would be like, from our perspective, the the um, um, the the avatar of love. Mm-hmm. So one one time, a fellow asked me, asked a student of mine, said said um, that um, he had heard something about Krishna and how Krishna is depicted in the stories and leelas about Krishna. He seems like kind of like a playboy, kind of like a lover, you know. Like, and so he said. Our God, this fellow speaking about Christianity, we have the real God. Okay. And why is that? And what did he say? Because, um, because his, he sacrificed for us. He sacrificed. So my student asked me, but how do we, how would you reply to that? I said, well, that's, uh, that's very interesting. I said, but if there is a sacrificer, form of God, for whom is the sacrifice being done? In other words, we should sacrifice. That's that's a good thing. We should be selfless. But if we are to, if we are not to take, that's the beginning of starting to give. We stop taking and exploiting, we're moving as counterintuitive as that may seem towards giving hmm? not taking is part of loving but loving in the full sense is giving so if 
we, we are do, we're, we're not taking. There's a reason we're not taking. Let's say, I'm not taking from the world because it doesn't belong to me anyway. Hmm? I should take what I need, basically, hmm? and so that I have enough strength, energy, and so forth to pursue what's really meaningful, hmm? spiritual life, to give myself to God. Hmm? So not taking is, 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 or sacrificing, you could say, is part of giving. So if there is a personification of the sacrificer, hmm, like Jesus, noble, good example for all of us, it, it speaks to us if we look carefully at that, to the idea that there must be an enjoyer. Let's take the bodily body as an example. Okay. We've got a nose. Right, we've got eyes, ears, we've got a tactile sense, and we've got a stomach too. Now, we need to use our eyes to get food, or in certain species, we need to use our ears to find food, right? Or our tactile sense. And, and in human life, we need to prepare it and so forth. We can smell it, we can see it, we can touch it, we can taste it. But if we don't give it to the stomach, <laughs> none of these senses are going to continue to function at all. They have no experience. If the tongue says, why do I have to keep giving this to the stomach constantly? You know, there's a reason for that. <laughs> because you're the sacrificer and the stomach is the enjoyer. But the enjoyer, from the larger picture, is the enjoyer or the center because it redistributes that energy in a way that none of the parts can. So we're part of the absolute. We should give to the absolute that we might be nourished. Hmm? If there's a sacrifice, there must be the enjoyer. So Krishna is the depiction of the God as the enjoyer. Hmm? Right? Yes. We need both. I mean, he did speak about a father that he was sacrificing on behalf of, right? <laughs> so the father, we, of course, we don't, we don't, we don't see the father and the full face of, you know, of, 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 of Godhead as an old man with a beard or a fellow with no face, as sometimes he's depicted in some schools. But as if, but as an adolescent, what a, what a fine time. What if you were wise as you are now and adolescent? At the same time, the problem with adolescence and material life is usually you're not that wise. <laughs> well thought out. Oh, when you think back now at 50, 60, myself in the 70s, 73, 74. Oh, if I had all the wisdom I have now, just, I mean, without even reading a book, just living. And I could have that at 18. Goodness. I would be a very extraordinary person. This is how, this is how Krishna is depicted. Hmm? If there's a God, he'd be like an adolescent because the youth is very attractive, right? Hmm? Everybody wants the, the military wants the youth, the universities want the, the youth, the tech world wants the youth. <laughs> Everybody, the young person who's well thought out joins your ranks. So oh, you, you, you feel very, very nervous. There's a future. There's a future for us. Something like that. We would think. <laughs> so the Godhead Krishna here is he's, he's thought of and in mystic meditation experienced as an adolescent who's super wise at the same time. What a strange uh, but virtuous uh, combination. All the charm of adolescence, but so much wisdom. Hmm? And the beauty of adolescence. You ever see on Facebook where people my age, they put a little picture of themselves when they were 20. (laughs) 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 Good at that time, but things change. Hmm? So so, uh, <laughs> so Jesus, yeah, we, we think he's, uh, he, he's teaching us a certain kind of love of Krishna. We would call it, uh, it, it, it when we look at, at, at Jesus as, as, as the, as the, we look at him kind of as the, as the personification of sacrifice and as the way in a broad sense, hmm? as the way. Krishna's not so much teaching the way. Hmm? Per se, although he does give some doctrine and so forth, but personified the way, mm-hmm. um, and and 
with regard to let's say let's give it the analogy that Christianity uses or the, the, the way they describe it the father and the son so the father has many faces we would say right many yes. options, many 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 descents so how many are the faces of the Godhead according to the Bhagavad text the famous Hindu text the sequel to the Gita Asankhya innumerable are the faces of the Godhead mm-hmm. And so transcendence is variegated and different faces of the God may appear in this world at different times and so forth. But the point is that the type of bhakti in a generic or broad sense that Jesus is personifying and teaching is has a certain corresponding face of the Father, if you will, of the Godhead in transcendence. There seems to be, if you will, in Christianity, an emphasis on reverential form of God, worship of God. So if you go to the, to the church and there's the Gregorian, Gregor, Gregorian, there's a chance, you know, it's very like, it's hard to participate in, in a, in a way. It's not very participatory, but it's very awe inspiring, right? Mm-hmm. And God is there and we are here and we are the worshipers and the, the distance between the object of worship and the worshiper is bridged to some extent by worship. But you can't get too close. It's God, after all. <laughs> so reverential love of God. So in the Krishna Bhakti school, there is uh, a place for that type of experience in transcendence, reverential love of God. In the face of the Godhead, the face of Krishna, who's the source of all the faces, we would say, in as much as the heart is required for the head to work and everything else. Um, so the reverential face of, of, of the Godhead is Narayana, right? Narayana in Sanskrit. So we would think that Jesus' worship culminates in a, in a realm beyond time and space where the, where the, where the, the Godhead is one of the faces of Narayana, which there are many, and there is worship. In, 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 in reverence. Hmm? So there's a Jiva, there's a Jesus Loka or something, a place like that. Hmm? Why not, right? Hmm? Yeah. So, so, and, and we, I should, I should mention also that while there are cultural differences in the way these things are, are talked about and so forth, they should not be, um, considered only cultural to be dismissed altogether. Hmm? by which we might enter into an absolute that has no differences whatsoever. We're speaking about a transcendence in which there are differences that aren't a problem. Here, differences are a problem, largely. Although we pine for oneness as much as we do variety. (laughs) Love is like that. We need need another, we need our own space a little bit too. So... So, uh, this is our metaphysic, beta beta. Reality is, ultimate reality is one and different at the same time. That's not a lot. How can it be one non-dual and, and dual at the same time? Hmm. Um, well, love is kind of like that, to use an example. There's a oneness and there's difference. There's movement within it. If there's movement and there has to be variety. So, 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 um, it was the point. So, um, so at any rate, uh, variety, transcendence, yes, uh, many faces of the Godhead and, um, and, and we would, and, and I, I, what I was saying, yes, and, and, and so these differences are not just cultural. It's said in some schools, oh, humans, uh, you know, uh, uh, the common saying is, um, what is that thing? God. Humanists are the face, the face of God or God, God. What is that saying? Oh, uh, man is created in God's image. Yeah, we would say men and women are created in the image of Radha and Krishna. That the God is Radha and Krishna. Hmm? Radha and Krishna. Hmm? This is this is this is the energetic. And it's energy. 
just like you have a fire, it's energetic in that it produces energy of heat and light. So Radha is the heat and light. The heat is feeling in transcendence. The light is knowing. Ladini, Samvit. And you can't separate the heat and light from the fire, but they're different. They're one and different. So in love, the object of love and the love, you need both. And they're one. And they're different. How can they be? Well, they are. <laughs> they are. Just like heat and light are one with fire and different from fire. You can say this is the fire, this is the heat and light, but you can't kind of, analogies break down at some point, but you get the point, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Or you know, let's use a modern quantum, you know, analogy. Is it a particle or is it a wave? Uh, it depends who's looking, you know. It's both, it's both at the same time. So, um, so, given this idea, let's say, uh, humans are, uh, uh, what is it, the image of God? Made in the image. Made in right. the image of God. It is said that man was created in the image of God. There, it's an interesting concept, you know. It, it, it's, uh, it's, um, it may sound like speciesism, you know. Uh, humans are better than other species. I would say they're more complex than other species. And the complexity of the humans uh, ultimately comes to the point of the fact that they're constantly asking why. Hmm? The qualitative question. They're looking for purpose and meaning rather than just food, sex, protection, hmm? which lesser complex forms of life are burdened by without being burdened by why. Hmm? Why? And the reason that we're burdened by why is because we the complex body-mind system that we have, hmm, which is something that we've acquired, having been a cow, having been, been a tree, and transmigrated through them over time, hmm, is, that, is that there is a purpose, there is a meaning to life, and there's a form of life that's most suitable for directly pursuing that meaning. That's what human life is. And if the human species is organized in such a way for that purpose, then it will not think itself superior in every sense to other less complex forms of life and abuse them. But see that I was once a, once a butterfly in Maduran in Costa Rica or a cicada. Those bugs that make that loud noise, or whatever, a spider. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, kindness to all living beings. This is obviously part of our our doctrine. Kindness to all beings. So, um, so so the human form of life. It's it's made in the image of God. It means in a, in a, this is a Christian term. That's sort of to get it from our point of view. It, it, it is the it is the form of life that is suitable for systematically pursuing God, because you can't practice yoga as a spider. <laughs> you, know, you gotta get a human form, and then you can practice yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Or spiritual discipline. You, you, you can't go to church and sing the Gregorian chant and so forth and smell the incense. So, the frankincense. So, so, um, uh, so the human form is very, very special. And, um, and, and, and then the way in which the avatar appears in different cultures and so forth and gives a, a form of worship, like, let's say Jesus did in, in, in the Middle East and, and, and Krishna did in, 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 in India. So there are cultural differences and so forth. These cultural differences should be seen as partial in, in terms of the way, for example, Jesus taught within that culture to, to function within that culture in worshipfully, hmm? in, 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 in lovingly, with love being focused, excuse me, on our source and overflowing to everyone else as if watering the roots of the tree was a wise thing to do and not at the cost of all the fruits, leaves and branches. Hmm? When we're asked to 
to stop chasing after this problem or that problem of the world, which of which there are many that are in need of a solution, and just live in the monastery and give all of your energy in one place. We're not copping out here. We're thinking, if I give all of my energy here, then it will, it will nourish everyone else in a way, by way of setting an example as to a comprehensive solution to the whole, to all the problems. It's not that the, the world, of, it's not that there's a world of problems, it's that the world is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's an idea that we have that's false. Mm-hmm. So, but my point here, besides many points <laughs> that I'm raising, is that, is that the cultural, uh, ingredients and, and features and aspects of Christian worship that may cause someone from the Western culture to identify more with Christianity. You might identify more with Hinduism in terms of its explanations, uh, its, its philosophical insights, its, 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 its explanations about the nature of the external world and so forth, which you don't find in you know, in, in Christianity, but you might have been brought up in Christianity and your natural cultural uh, leaning maybe to, when all said and done, grab the rosary. <laughs> you know, as a way, right? Hmm? So the, the, the point I'm making is the way that's described that has cultural ingredients to it is part of the goal. Hmm? It's, a, it's a partial expression of the goal. So humans are made in the image of God. So there's different compartments, if you will, in the house of transcendence. And we may go to one or another largely based on the way in which we became inspired by the, by the descent of a particular avatar. And, and friendly as it is, that avatar the, the nature of the path and the cultural sensibilities that we identify with, they're, they're represented in the goal. Mm-hmm. So it, it looks similar. Mm-hmm. Of course, you'll be able to see, oh, there'll be windows. So you'll see there are other places up here too. <laughs> you won't think it's only us. Mm-hmm. Or you might. <laughs> and there's unlimited number in every in every in every section, in every room, an infinite number of liberated beings in every house, in every room, and transcendence who are worshiping every avatar there. As he descended here, so he appears there. Let's put it like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Right? Sure. <laughs> so we we appreciate uh, Christianity and um and the I, I've never read the Bible. Um, I have read a passage here and there, and uh, I can see from it why um, someone, uh, let's say, growing up in the Midwest is really attached to the Bible. It has a lot of really good, like, wow, that makes a lot of love your neighbor like yourself. <laughs> wow. I mean, easier said than done, but. You know, so that's, that's, that's quite a yoga, right? Hmm? Yeah, sure. <laughs> of course, Krishna says, those who feel the suffering of, of others as if it is their own, they are the highest yogis. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, so many nice statements, um, are there. I, I mean, one day I, I looked, I was looking up something, um, and I looked in the Bible and I hopeless. I can see why people, if you just took the essential statements, Obviously, these scriptural texts and so forth have relativity to them, besides the kind of absolute perspective that they give. So we can't be misguided by by ident- misidentifying the the, the, cult, the the relative instruction, which is given into time and a place and and so forth with the with the absolute. We have to you know distinguish between between the two. Um, but if we would embrace the it would be nice to go through the Bible and take out the essential uh, statements in there. But you could see anybody who would take the, put those in their life would become a happier and better, nicer person to be around, even just ordinarily speaking. Mm-hmm. And arguably, by the doctrine, have a life, you know, beyond 
the limits of birth and death. So um, that'd be a good thing to do. Actually, we should <laughs> go through the Bible and other texts too. The same thing is there in all the texts. You have relative features. It's people. These texts are people, largely speaking about writing about something that's beyond word, beyond thought, and trying to put it, having some experience of it, and trying to put it in word, given the cultural setting, also that that, that they're in. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, today is uh, Christmas. Uh, here's my, my Christmas uh, sermon, thanks to you. Uh, we don't have a tree here, and Santa didn't come last night, but that's another thing, St. Nick Kijai. Yeah. <laughs> that is a story, but we, we have we have a nice uh, Swedish devotee here, not too far from Finland, right? And that's where Santa comes from. <laughs> from Finland, and hop is where 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 is it? Where is that place? In Lapland. 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 Well, we have yeah. Swedish Lapland too, actually. They can't there, oh, Sweden, Sweden has Lapland also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there he is, or there he was. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, last night, I guess he was uh, pretty busy, but um, <laughs> a time of giving, right? Mm. Right, yeah. Thank you so much, Maraj. That was wonderful. Thank you. Okay, any other uh, thoughts, uh, comments? Yes, we have one here. Patrick. Um, in, in regards to what you were saying, that if we focus all our attention, then we can um, be um, like an inspiration to others. Or, mm. you know. yeah. But what it can also have the opposite effect. Like I have noticed in my life, by making the choice to focus all my attention on this practice, mm. it has affected people negatively and agitated people. Like how do we navigate that? Yeah, well, you have to see beyond... Um, the uh, temporal, you know, you you have to you have to be invested in the fact that you're involved in something that transcends even the what appears as friends, family, which will be here today and gone tomorrow, and what they are is what you're pursuing, like you, their unit of consciousness, like you. They're not; they don't understand it. What can be done? But we can't let that get in the way of our pursuit because we hear, we're able to hear the call. So we, we're fortunate we've evolved to such a point in this human life that these things make sense to us. We can't put them down. They, they, um, they resonate with us too much. So, um, the fact that they don't resonate with others who are identified with their temporal sense of who they are, which can't endure, um, well, we, we have to navigate the course by being wise and knowing that in the long term, in the larger picture, um, they, they, persons connected with me will be benefited by me if I pursue this in this way. How? Because let's say, for example, your parents say, what the heck are you doing? We can't accept this. We're going to write you out of the will. You know, you, 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 you've gone and lived in some crazy monastery uh, and so on and so forth. But um, they probably think about you quite a bit. Hmm? Nonetheless, even they think, why'd she do that? How could she do that? But they think about you. Now, if the more that you become spiritually advanced and other people think about you and are attached to you, that, that, that some benefit accrues to them. That's how benefit, spiritual benefit does accrue. It's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> right? If somebody of spiritual standing, real spiritual consequences standing, cares about you, is that, is that not good for you? What do you think? So if you care about them, you can't care about them on the level that they're concerned about. Because you're in, you're, you're 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 seeing the bigger picture. It's like you you're sitting with a group of people, and someone comes around and passes a hat and says, "We're going to feed the poor. Can you give a dollar?" Okay, that guy gives a dollar. Gives a dollar. That guy gives. And then it comes to the guy next to you, and he says, "I'm not giving." And he goes, "Oh, I know." It's just because the problem is not that, that there's not enough money. It's how the money's being used. Therefore, I'm giving my time to change the political system. And he goes, wow. Ooh. Then they come to you. Now they've all changed the political system. Now they're asking for political donations. <laughs> and now they come to you and say, I'm not giving. Oh, boo, why not? Because then you give your explanation, you know. 
uh, life transcends. The, the, the problem is bigger than a political problem. The problem is the Atma, the self, is misidentified with the body-mind concept. Now, you give them that idea and they all go, what? What do we do now? Right? So anyway, the point being that if you make spiritual progress, your parents, your friends, uh, they, um, they're upset with you. You're not spending enough time with them or whatever. Yeah. Then uh, they, they're still attached to you. If you advance spiritually, then they'll be benefited. Hmm? Um, what will their next life be? Hmm? If you become a saint hmm? and they and they can't relate to you, they think you're living in an illusion. It doesn't change the fact that you're a saint, right? And they still like you. They're still attached to you. Attachment to saints that will make that will cause our spiritual progress. If we like them, they like us. That's the nature of love. Let's take me, for example. I love you, right? I don't know your parents or your friends who are upset with you, right? But I love you and I know there are other people that love you on some other level. So naturally, I think um, kindly towards them. That's just natural. So if I have some spiritual standing and I think kindly towards your parents, even though I don't know them, will that be good for them? Yeah. So you have to think like that. You have to play it all out. Hmm? Life's bigger than the picture that they're living in. And you're fortunate to come into a bigger picture and identify with it. Don't be intimidated by that small Um, Gurudev, it's, uh, it like accidentally muted. It's actually, I think I may have done that. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I was trying to mute someone else who was creating some noise. So I'm saying, this is, this is bigger than a talk here. This is big. It's a talk. It's a call to action hmm? to put these things, these ideas in practice for which undoubtedly we'll need some help. We'll need some guidance how to do that step by step by step. And so on and so forth. Hmm? But that's that's what the challenge is for you to step into that bigger picture. Hmm? It's um, it's it's you know I mean how many people are going to do it? How many I mean how many species how germs are there on the end of my finger? Hmm. Millions and millions, billions more than there are people on Earth, and they're all living beings hmm? in germ bodies. They're not doing it, and amongst humans. There are just a few people, so don't don't look for strength for you know. Don't wait for the rest of everybody else to get on board, you know, for it to be. If everybody agrees, maybe it's right. Don't think like that. Maybe if they don't agree, maybe it's right. That's that might, that's maybe they say that about investment. When everybody thinks the stock is going to go up or your Bitcoin, that's when it's going to go down. Another conversely. So. All right. So. Any other questions? Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Um, there was one. Uh, Harijan had a question from online. Okay. Dandas Pranam Guru Maharaj. Who's your friend? It's uh, Alexei. He's from Ukraine. Hey, Krishna. Nice to meet you, Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, question. Um, so, like you were saying about the meat, meat or allegory, so mm-hmm. sometimes we heard that we should like directly uh, understand the statements. So, what I understand, like if the jiva is described as small or Mahavishnu breathing, that cannot be understood from like calculation. But uh, recently, recently I heard that. Uh, the Jaiva Dharma or the uh, Brihad Bhagavad They heard that some say that it's allegorical and some say it is like in different kalpas. Like happening in the different kalpas. So how what, do you're talk, what you're talking about is Leela narratives where there are narratives that describe, let's say, in the context of what we were talking about, the, 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 the avatar's life. Right? Let's say, so Krishna, let's say, right? So the, the idea is that this happens again and again and again. 
in, in human society. And so something, a narrative about how it happened described in one text may be different from how it's described in another text hmm, in terms of a detail. So sometimes what you're saying, if I understand you correctly, one of the ways in that's explained is that, well, one, that Leela is not bound by history. Hmm? The movements of God are not bound by history. He may do it one way, one time. He may do the Brahma, the Mohan Leela, for example, a little differently the next time. Hmm? So sometimes when there are details that conflict in one text of the sacred text of the Hindus with regard to a Leela narrative, different different from another sometimes uh, commentators have used this to to harmonize it for for the readers by saying it happened at one time this time and another time in the descent it happened in exactly in this way right so uh that that's one way to look at it mm-hmm. um 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 but um The other way, another way to look at it is that the Leela narratives, obviously, someone, like, like, for example, if I tell the story of Krishna, I wasn't there thousands of years ago, or Chaitanya 500 years ago, or I wasn't in, you know, to tell the story of Jesus, I, w- I wasn't there, you know, so, but I might tell the story. Now, I might tell the story knowing the purpose, the point, the main points of the Leela teaching, then I might embellish the story to bring out the point relative to my audience, right? Because I know the purpose of it. The story has a meaning, has a purpose. Hmm? Uh, let's say the story is about fraternal love of God, hmm? that type of love of God. A romantic love of God. They may tell us the same story. I may I'm trying to bring out the essence. So this is another way in which there may be difference. Different commentators may comment on the story differently. That person in mind. Hmm? Another way, the, the way there may be differences in the one Leela narrative over over another. We're talking about the same avatar, like Krishna appears at one time. That experience the Leela himself, herself, internally in meditation, and shown different same import. So it's another way. Now, with regard to what you asked, you were kind of asking. Is it different because it appears at different times, different ways, or is it literal? It has to be same every time. Literal. These stories are not literal, but but um, but the principle, the idea that there are such stories that are true, nonetheless, is um, understood by the by the particular metaphysic that you have. So if the metaphysic is a chintya beta beta like ours, it's a doctrine of love, one indifference, as I said. If you play the implications out of that, then there has to be movement and transcendence. There has to be a godhead. There have to be avatars and so on and so forth. And so then, then the, the, the Leela narrative is, is what is that? That is an attempt to speak about the movement of tra- in transcendence with the limits of mind and let's say and speech so it's any leela narrative is not going to do justice to the actual content of the leela it can't because it's not limited by speech it can't be conveyed only by speech speech that is that is that is that arises out of inner experience will be empowered speech, but it will still be limited in terms of capturing the entirety of the, the affair. The best it can do is inspire us to apply ourselves in such a way that we can have the inner experience ourselves. And then we we'll try to talk about it, but we we'll feel we can't say enough about it. 
And so there'll be different ways in which it's talked about and expressed and so on and so forth. So there are any number of ways in which there may be differences in the expression. But the Leela, there is literally a Leela. But the Leela narrative in a book or from a, from a sadhu is a limited kind of expression of all that Leela is. Does that help? Okay. Okay. Something to think about. Well, with that, we've uh, run out of time, right? So, Merry Christmas to everybody. And um, be safe. And I hope to be with you again next week. Bye. Thank you, Guru.